Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Well, hey, I think what I want to talk about today is um, it is in line with this, the reality of what Christianity is, this spirit-filled lifestyle, this, this, uh, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, which was prophesied so much through the Old and New Testaments, and this, this reality we're called to step into. Um, but also the fact that I think sometimes many people have no clue of how empowered they truly are. You know, it's, it is, there is the, the God who created through the stars across the universe, you know, lives on the inside of every one of us. And um, this reality that we've been empowered in Him to become who we already were before time and space, you know, like, you know, who we were before the foundations of the earth, this, this reality um, that the Bible even calls the hope of glory, which is Christ within us. And um, it's a great mystery. And, you know, the Corinthians talk about it. Whoa. The Corinthians talk about it. And my wife's actually in there, so there's nothing I can really do about it. (laughs) The Corinthians, uh, Paul in the first first Corinthians 2, talks about this this mystery. We speak the wisdom, first Corinthians 2, 7, the, the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. This great, incredible mystery that, as Paul continues and articulates these cosmic powers, these principalities and powers, these dark rulers that govern the world, um, they had no clue what they were doing when they crucified the Lord of glory because this mystery, this secret, this empowerment was going to be released through the whole earth and they would have never done what they did to him if they would have known the result, what it was going to accomplish. And I read there sitting in, on the second row during worship, you know, Colossians 1.26, this mystery. He's continuing talking about this, which has been hidden from the ages and from generations. But now it's been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, which is really complete or mature in Christ Jesus. Like the goal of this whole thing is to make known the understanding of this mystery, this new covenant, which was actually Christ within you, the very hope of glory, which will transform everything on this planet. And that's what we're called to do. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody understood this, this, what would happen at Pentecost, as we've been talking about these past several weeks, you know. And, you know, Jesus, even before he left, tells his disciples... After the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. But first, before he went up, which was also recorded in Acts 1, he said, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, and they will speak with new tongues. We're like, oh yeah, that's the Pentecostals. Like, no, 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 that's, that's just Christianity. And, and these guys didn't have a grid for what was going to happen. 
he didn't, they didn't have a grid that, that Babel was going to be reversed where all the languages you know, kind of came out into the world. All that was going to be reversed and this uni, unifying spirit, the tongues of fire, this, this little flaming, this pillar that guided Israel was going to be divided in, onto everybody. This hope of glory, this reality. They will take up serpents and if they drink anything de- deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. All these, these promises, these things Jesus tells his guys, can you imagine hearing that for the very first time? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, maybe the, they will cast out demons. They had actually walked in some of that. If you look at Luke 9 and Luke 10, they had seen Jesus demonstrate it. But these things will follow them who believe. Like, they will actually cast out these demons, which is like, yeah, that's really cool. They'll even speak in new tongues, which the disciples probably, their ears probably perked up. Like, what, do you think, what does he mean by that? Well, I don't know, but it sounds cool, you know? They'll take up serpents, and if it's like, skirt, they'll do what now? Now, wait a second. You ever see that, um, the little, oh, my wife's in the back room, so I can't blame that on her. She's, she's, she's being good. Look at that. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, they're having way more fun than me. But it's like, they will take up serpents in their hands. And there was this documentary by um, Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley Cyrus's dad for all the young folks in here. Did anybody see that? Like them backwoods Kentucky churches and they'd be taking them snakes in there, dancing around in them. Nobody saw that? Yeah, some, I see a couple smiles. You're, you're embarrassed to say you've seen it. It's a few years back. But I mean, that was a practice. People would take up snakes into their churches and almost like a tambourine, they'd rattle them things and, and during their worship because they were taking that scripture and saying, hey, well, they'll, they'll take up, if they really believe, they'll take up deadly serpents, you know, and it'll be all right, you know, and it's just like, well, you know, I don't know what the, the thought process was there, you know, it's like, well, if it bites you and you died, you must have not really believed, and that'll be the evidence, <laughs> but if you live and it bites you, then it, you shake it off, and, and we also, we understand the book of Acts, we understand this actually happened the Apostle Paul, one bit him, and it was a very deadly snake, and it didn't, didn't do anything to him. But um, they, will lay, they, they will drink poison. In other words, people will try to poison them. Not that they would do it on purpose for fun. That, that happened as well. Uh, you know, but they'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. So he's saying these things that they've got to be so strange to that group. You know, hearing that, like, they're like, man, we're going to do what? They're going to take up snakes? We're going to poison? Like, like, he's saying, like, this reality that's coming for you is going to cause you to be indestructible. You're going to walk in the power of the age to come in such, in such a way that you, as we've been discussing, that John uh, 16 is like, you will reprove, you will, you will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of unbelief. You'll be empowered in such a way that you'll be my witnesses, Acts 1.8, right? Through all of the world. And even the dark stuff that's released against you, it won't stop you. you know. I ran this morning, I rolled in, I didn't realize this, um, but yesterday I was running, and when I got back, the girls had grilled up some eggs. The girls know how to do that now, my little ones. So they'll, they'll, you know, they'll fry up some eggs and stir them up and have them ready. But I was out for you know, a few hours that morning, so when I got back, I didn't realize, but they took the eggs, and they put them in, like, in a pan or something like that and put them in our, in our air fryer for some reason. So they were in the air fryer overnight, and... Um, I guess they were cooking some bacon or something in the air fryer this morning, so they took them out of the air fryer and had them sitting on the counter. Well, I didn't know that, right? So I'm out running this morning for, you know, down, you know, rose rumming and all that, come back home, and I see some uh, straight plate of eggs 
on the way into church today. So like, I'm like, bang. They, hit, they, they left them for me. I'm going to snatch this up, you know. I took a couple bites of the eggs, man. And I was like, man, these are soft, but they're kind of smoother than normal, kind of slick. Kind of had a slick feel to them. Yeah, they, it was real, man. And then all of a sudden, I heard my wife, that, that's that mother's intuition, you know, and she's like, hey, don't eat those eggs on the counter. And I'm like, these, why? She's like, those are from yesterday. The girls put them in the air fryer and just let them sit there. And then tonight, we took them, then we just took them out and put them on a plate, you know. And I'm thinking it was a gift, like, oh, somebody scrambled me some eggs this morning. So I was thinking about this verse real quick this morning because I was like, well, they'll drink poison. They'll get bit by a snake and they'll recover. I was like, what about some, some, some real food poisoning? You know what I mean? I just ate some eggs from yesterday. That, uh, they had such a slick texture, like, you know, like, what, what are these? Are these really eggs? They look like eggs. Uh, so we're going to, that was over an hour ago probably, so we're going to see if I'm really a believer or not. Today, you know, we, we're probably within that window. We're going to find out. Does he really believe? Is he got, you know, like them snake handlers, like, does he got some secret sin in his life? Right? Is there something about, oh, we're going to see. We're going to see. And we will see. You know what I mean? Um, but if I'm in the prayer line afterwards, you know, the, the you know, oh, you know what I mean? All righty then. Um, but yeah, nobody saw this reality coming. Jesus is saying these things that are so very interesting to the disciples. And you've got to think of their minds are just trying to catch up with this stuff. There's, there's a reason things are written like Luke 24 and John 20, John 21. All these things, when he'd come back and teach them the scriptures, he would, he would open their minds to understand the things that were written about him. Right? And so a lot of the stuff they're stepping into in life and remembering what he said. And I think we even covered that last week in in John 16, he says, the Holy Spirit will bring to, bring to your memory all the things which I spoke to you. All these eternal words of life, which are more real and substantial than anything in this realm or this dimension, he will bring them back to you so that you have the opportunity to believe those instead of this plastic temporary place that everyone thinks is so very real. And demonstrate that the kingdom of hand, heaven is at hand. It is far more real than any forecast, any diagnosis, any, any climate of this plastic world. And so that's, that's, that was the, the essence of spirit-filled, this reality that was prophesied all throughout this Old Testament. You know, this, I will, Ezekiel 36, 25 is like, I will put my spirit in you. I will sprinkle you clean with water and, and, and I will take the stone heart out and put the heart of flesh within you. This, this reality of like, you will be the, the carriers of God, the imagers of God walking with him everywhere you go in this life. And no, none of them, I don't believe, really fully understood what was going to be happening. And I feel like it's very similar today, because even as it says there in 1 Corinthians about the rulers of this world, if they would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Well, now they do know. Now the principalities, powers, these, these wicked rulers in the heavenly places, as the Apostle Paul calls them, the spiritual forces of darkness and heavenly hosts, heavenly wicked hosts, all these different names and terminologies that he gives to them, they do understand that they messed up, but the game for them has completely changed. The game has been now, like, let's take that tree of knowledge, let's sow it back into their very religion, let's get them to hold to a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, as it says, you know, when Paul's writing Timothy, and live just a religious life that never acknowledges the reality of this hope of glory that is Christ within all of them. If we can convince them 
that this is only for some weird charismatic side of the tracks and that even then it's you know just flaky and if we can convince them that they're not who God says that they are maybe that they are just sinners right they are not sons and daughters valued and loved by God um, we can get them from taking up the authority that they've been freely and totally given but that's never been the been the plan of the Lord and sometimes I think that I think that one of the most, if not the most toxic things that can, that can really um, sideline someone in life, especially a Christian, is a victim mentality. Yes. Somebody that sees themselves as a victim. Yes. You know, and, and the scriptures say we're not even conquerors. We're actually we're more than conquerors. It's like we're so far away from being victims. Like that's, that's not this. And this, this reality um, of what Jesus has paid for, you know, even when, when you've got Jesus and, and talking to Nicodemus in John 3, and then you've got uh, you know, John, the Baptist himself, there's, there are so many things that John understood and knew that he doesn't get credit for. And John's story is in all four of the Gospels because he was such a profound character. And, but he, he literally says this in John 3, like, he does not give the Spirit by measure. It's like, oh, you know, like, Lord, give us a pouring, outpouring of your spirit. Maybe we can have a worship night and call down the principalities and all these weird, weird, silly things that we kind of can get into these days. It's like John the Baptist is prophesying like, hey, I baptize you with water. There's somebody that's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This new covenant reality that even the disciples don't seem to have fully had a grid for or understand. Jesus saying, it's better that I go away. John had a grid for it. And he saw it coming. And he knew his position and place. And he was functioning to that end. And um, for him to say he doesn't give the Spirit by measure, that means like the full inheritance of the Father, the Holy Spirit, has been fully given to mankind. To step into it. And to, and to live this kingdom reality on the earth. And it's not something we're waiting for. It's something, if we truly believe, has fully already been given. Amen. Scripturally, biblically. Amen. And, um, you know, John is one of those ones. I, I, I will say this. I, I feel like a lot of times we can take on a victim mentality or get into situations in life where we don't recognize all the brilliant open doors and keys to progression that God has laid in our here and now path. We can be so future-minded even, like, how am I going to get to my next purpose or my platform or my this and that? We can be so future-minded with things or in a fearful way. Oh, the, the end's coming, you know what I mean? You, you know, President Obama's a lizard, man. It's, a, it's the end time. You know, we can get in so conspiracies and just all these kind of things that we were, we're so afraid that we're not, we're not living this, the truth of this gospel in the here and now and like actually bearing fruit in the present, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't believe that about Barack Obama either. You know what I'm saying? That, that's just an example, obviously. It just means, you know, yeah. So, um, but it's like, you know, this reality with... Uh, Sometimes we can be focused too much on what we are not seeing rather than what we are seeing, you know? And it's like, you know, uh, Psalm 100, verse 4, is like we enter His gates, the presence of the Lord. We enter His gates with thanksgiving and His course with praise. And sometimes being thankful for what we have, you know what I mean? Thankful for what God is doing. Not like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing it? You know what I mean? Not, not like this complaining victim mentality. But being thankful and, and stepping into the why of what he is doing 
and, and faithfully moving in that direction causes those other things to open up, which we are longing for in life. It's so very true, man. It's so very true. It's like, oh, we're never a victim. And so if he's leaving this, it's, it's this. I've been saying this right lately, I think more in smaller groups, but it's like this, this suspicion that we're called to have, to be very suspicious of God, very suspicious of him, but not in, not in the negative way, like he's holding something back, because that was the serpent's tongue. Oh, he, he just knows if you eat this fruit, you'll be like him. He's holding something back. Not, not that way. Suspicion like, I know you've got a surprise for me. I know you're doing some great things. Even if I can't see them, or even if I'm having a tough time, I know, there's, I know this, the plan. I'm choosing to follow you, and you're the good shepherd. So I know you're going to turn this on its head. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to choose to follow you and trust you. you know, I'm suspicious of your goodness, that your goodness and mercy will follow me, will, per, will actually pursue me. I'm not pursuing your goodness. It's pursuing me. I know how this works. You're good. You're kind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know you are. And um, this, this, this righteous... Um, accurate suspicion of the goodness of God where we can focus on what God is doing. You know, there is a story of John. And, and I love the story of John. You know, I've had some, a couple pretty profound prophetic experiences concerning John. I'm not going to do those. Um, I, I think I've talked about that several times. Um, videos and, and obviously in here. But he's such a precious, incredible character, person to me. Um, but the reality is, uh, you know, John... The Baptist, Jesus calls him the greatest man ever born of a woman. It's like, dang, that's pretty high praise coming from <laughs> the embodiment of Yahweh. Uh, he says he's the greatest prophet ever born. Like, wow, man. And, uh, you know, it's like, these were like their heroes. You know, like, you, you're talking about Samuel. Samuel, dreadlock Samuel scared everybody. Everybody was scared of Samuel. If you, if you look at the Old Testament, he was a prophet and a and a priest since he was a child. You know, Samuel caused the whole corrupt leadership of Israel to be taken out just by hearing God's voice as a kid. And he caused, and then the Ark of the Covenant traveled around by itself to all the Philistine camps and routed a bunch of Philistines. If you book, read the book of Samuel, like, uh, no one's messing with Samuel. You're like, this, this John the Baptist guy is eating bugs. He's greater than Samuel? Like, wow, that's a big thing. You know, Elijah's talking trash to prophets of Baal, to Jezebel's army. You know, Elijah, that dude, he's calling fireballs down out of heaven. We think of like, you know, uh, uh, the fireworks from at the lake last night. I'm talking about like fire ripping out of the sky at this man's words. And um, so this Baptist, he's, he's greater than John. He's greater than Elijah. He's the Elijah to come. Like, uh, he doesn't get the respect. And his prophecy is this. Behold the Lamb, you know? Behold the Lamb. He takes away the sin of the world. Again, how do you know that? You know what I mean? He knew a lot more than we think he knew. He baptizes with the, with the Holy Spirit and with fire, the fire that will consume the entire religious system. He understood it was coming. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. John called all of it out that people still don't know, that go to seminary don't know that stuff now. John done called it out before the whole thing. And, you know, John's over there, you know, he baptized, he gives a spirit without measure. It's, 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 it's complete, it's total. There is no like, oh, give me some more. It's like, no, 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 no. Make room for more. If you need more, you make room. Clear the, 
Clear the baggage out of the back room in the house that's not supposed to be there, and he will feel that. Open your mouth, and he will feel that. You know, it's just like John, John's voice is make way in the wilderness where there is nothing. Make room, and it'll come. The he heaven is here. Get out the way for it. Make room for it. Man, he was incredible. He really was, man. And uh, I could just talk about him. I just like him, man. I just like John. I just think he's... Um, He's brilliant. But, you know, he gets arrested by Herod, right? Because that's the most crooked thing, the king of the Jews, uh, alleged um, illegitimate. But Herod's like, you know, takes, you know, steals his, basically his brother's, Philip's wife, who actually happened to be a, also a relative. It's some real creepy, like Jerry Springer level type of weird stuff. Herod, it was, it was basically such a pagan, you know, heathen. But he was the king of the Jews, and he was doing naughty things. And, but he was afraid of John because everybody esteemed John. But, but he put John in jail because he wanted what he wanted so bad. And, and John called him out for it. So John was in jail, and, and some of you guys understand. like he, he gets taken out. But John had baptized Jesus, and it says that in, it's in Matthew 11, 11, but I'm open to the, um, Luke 7 right now. Um, you know, Jesus is doing these, these great things. He's, he's, the fear of the Lord was actually spreading through everybody. You know, Herod, after he even kills John, literally thought John had resurrected because all these miraculous things that are happening. It's, but it says in, in, in Luke 7 that the disciples of John reported to him all these things, the things that, were, that, were, that Jesus was doing. And this is right after he raises a guy from the dead at a funeral. I mean, that's pretty traumatic, you know what I mean? He shows up at a funeral and pops this guy out of, out of his grave, out of his, uh, you know, casket or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's incredible. But the disciples of John, who are, like, actually kind of taking care of him, going back and forth to where he was in jail, um, he sends two of his disciples to Jesus, and he says this, Are you the coming one, or, or do we look for another? Are you the coming one, or, we, or do we look for another? And... Um, so these two men that were disciples of John literally showed up to Jesus and said this, Hey, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, Are you the coming one, or are, we, or are we to look for another? And it says at that very hour he cured many infirmities and afflictions and evil spirits, and, and, and to many blind people he was given sight right there. And um, it's really interesting, man. There's several different ways to look at this chapter, and it's a, there, there's a lot of divide in it. And some people think like, John was getting to the point where he was, he was in jail and he was under something so heavy that he was like, oh my gosh, like, are you going to do this or not? Um, others feel like John was this great, incredible prophet, and he, as a teacher to his disciples, was, was literally putting the, um, he knew it was coming for him, and he was putting the stamp on Jesus even to his disciples. And, uh, you know, there's no way to fully and truly know, but I do like that. Um, but at the same time, John is sending them to him. And um, I love what Jesus says. At that very hour, he was doing all these things. And he says, go and tell John the things which you've seen and heard. He tells his disciples, which they had already talked to him about, the dead guy. Um, go tell him that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to him, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And it's, um, his disciples go back and tell him. And, but I... I love that verse, um, John, who understood the Torah and he understood the prophets and he understood these prophecies, 
you know, when we look at Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, is anointing me too. And you have this list of things that we are called to step into as spirit-filled Christians. But Jesus is articulating this stuff, and one of them is to set the captives free, <laughs> you know. And so a lot of people have believed that John was like, hey, Isaiah 61 says, like, if you're that one, like, there's one of these things on this list about setting captives free. Like, hey, I'm stuck in here. Are we doing this? That almost that he, he was under such a level of pressure that he was looking at the one thing which wasn't happening. And Jesus articulates to him, hey, look at all these things that are happening. Bang, 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 bang. Gives him the list of, I mean, Isaiah 29, verse 18 and 19, Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6, and Isaiah 61. And blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Like, you know, like we talked about last week, I believe it was Mark 4, but just like how people were so familiar with Jesus that they're like, no, this can't, we know his mother, we know his brothers and his sisters. Like, they were offended because of him. Because he didn't come in on that white horse waving, you know, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber just looking like uh, Gandalf or something. You know what I mean? He looked so normal and plain and humble and was simple and he was kind. And he was like, no, let the kids come to me. And he was just, he was not the way they had seen him. They're like, this can't be. It's not big enough and grand enough. Um, But they were able to look past the miraculous and the the beauty of reversing things like sickness and death, you know what I mean? And lack that he stepped into. And, um, you know, this, this encouragement that Jesus is giving John, he turns around to his people. And I have a real respect for him, so I almost feel like he's like my big brother, you know what I mean? Or like my, you know, he's, he is for all of us, you know. So I feel like protective over him, as weird as that sounds. But... It's like Jesus turns around and, not, and honors John after that question so beautifully. That's when Jesus says, go tell John these things. And then he looks at the people and he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No. But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Does he dress really fancy? Does he have all the nice stuff, you know? Indeed, those who are, who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in the king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you. And more than that, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your, your way before you. you know? it's, so, it's so wonderful how he's like, this John is something nobody, like he's incredible. And then he says, For I say to you, among those born of women, there's no, but, there's no prophet that's greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven will be greater than this. And it's just like, whoa. He's saying, John, we understand now, we, we think of the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, like that whole, that whole entire book, John is the greatest one of all of them. And if you can see it, John is like the tip of the finger pointing to Jesus. It all pointed to Jesus, but he was the last in line and the last to be first. And he's the one saying, behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. This Passover, this, this religion that you guys think that is, is our religion, it's not. It's all been about him and he's the real lamb and he's going to take sin off of humanity. I'm not worthy to tie his shoes. Like John had the scope of who he was. 
He said, the one who sent me to baptize said, when you see my spirit upon him and remain, that's the one. And John had seen it. You know. So here is John, you know, with Herod. And Herod's wife and, you know, the one who wants to cut his head off. The, the essence of what Jezebel and Ahab were in the Old Testament against Elijah that drove Elijah into the wilderness for 40 days up to the mountain where he actually ended up meeting God. The, you know, we're not talking about somebody who's, you know, who got a bad review on his podcast or they talk bad about his church. You know what I'm saying? Online. Oh, he doesn't know the Bible that well or whatever. Um, this is like a world ruling principality that is taking its focus onto John and it's pushing him into a corner. And so here's a man, John, this great incredible prophet that is in the same position that Elijah was, but even greater, feeling the pressure of that thing forcing itself upon him. And he's reaching out to Jesus like, yo, I'm sweating this. Are you the one to come? And he knew he was because he said he was and he saw him and he saw the spirit. And, um, the reality is this, this, it's more of like Jesus, he sent, sent him a message. Did I, did I do what I was supposed to do? This is an ending. I'm not where I thought I was going to be. Was I productive? You know, did I, did I, am I doing my right calling? Did I miss something? I'm looking at some things that maybe I did miss something. And I'm sure he had a lot of voices around him saying he did, spiritual ones. Maybe am I doing this? Am I doing that? And Jesus is comforting words like, hey, buddy, it's done. All these prophecies of the Messiah, all these things that are happening, look at all of them. Boom, 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 boom. You did your job. You set this thing in motion, my man. You know. And I believe it gave him peace, man. I do, I do believe it gave John so much peace right then, like, okay, it's it's him. He knows what he's doing. And he's there. He's in it. And it was like, look what is happening, not what's not happening. You know, something about that heart to serve. Have I done everything that I, that I was here to do? You really have. You really have. You know. And um, John finished his race. I mean, it's, if you, in Luke, it's like, I don't know the time frame of how long he was there. You know, that John was where he was. But... When you, when you flip a couple pages down, you see that, how the story goes. And I think most of you know and understand what ended up happening to John, right? You know, I mean, he, he ended up being beheaded in prison. But it's just like this mind of the spirit, you know what I mean? The carnal mind that was at enmity with God. It's like John became the mind of the spirit. He, it's like he had lost his mind since he was a little kid. He was already out there. So they take that guy's head and it's just like, I, I, I lost my head a long time ago. You know what I mean? I'm, I, he was on a whole nother path. Can you, imagine the, can you imagine the rejoice at the greatest prophet of, of the entire Bible, Old Testament, literally stepping into heaven? Can you imagine what that looked like? You know, I can't. I mean, I, I imagine like... I imagine all of them boys walking. I remember, I imagine like Jesus telling him that, you finished your, like, dude, 
you've set it off, it's too late. The rulers of this world, they, don't, they have no clue and I'm already here and it's already starting. Um, and him being like, dude, we won. And by then they want to come take his head off and it's just like, yeah, well, whatever, man. And you know what I'm saying? You might as well. If I'm making that film, if Jim Caviezel wants me to make that film, dude, I'm having Dreadlock Samuel walk in with the beheaders. Blue Force Ghost, you know, to look like Samuel's spirit. Then, then Elisha walk in. Then old Dreadlock Elijah walk in. And then Ezekiel, maybe, maybe a bunch of old Dreadlocks. Ezekiel's Dreadlocks walking in the room. And they're all like, welcome home, my brother. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just think he's incredible. And that's extra biblical. You know, I don't mean to frighten anybody with that. I do have a degree or a bunch, a couple of them. But, um, you know, Herod crucified, uh, or he, he, he executed uh, John, you know. And um, when, the, when, when the people came and told Jesus, I love this, when the people came and told Jesus, like, yo, John has been, his disciples came to John, back to Jesus and said, hey, they, they actually, they killed him, you know. It seems to have affected Jesus. Because then Jesus actually tells the disciples, like, hey, let's get out of town for a little while. Let's go away from people. Let's go to a, to, to a deserted place. Like, immediately upon them saying that. And so, he literally, you know, kind of takes them and... They go aside privately. It's, it's listed in several of the Gospels. I'm just in Luke 11 right now, or Luke 9 right now. Um, but it says that when the multitudes knew it, they followed him. And they, they came after him to see where he was going. And um, many of the Gospels will tell you, Matthew and Luke, or Matthew and Mark, like, when he saw them, when he saw the multitudes hunting him down after his cousin died, and he had just heard the news, and he was trying to get away by himself, he didn't get like, like a, you know, he wasn't a rock star or a prima donna. Like, can I just have a break? Don't you understand what just happened to John? Like, I'm really upset. I need some time. It says he saw the multitudes as, as people, as, what, is, what does it say? As, as shepherd without a sheep, and he had compassion over all of them. He's like, they need me. And that's the true heart of a father, man. And um, I love it, you know. Um, the day was wearing away. It's in John 6. I'm in, I'm in the Luke one just because I'm right there. Um, but the disciples were like, hey, we need to send these people away. They don't have any food. And Jesus tells them, you guys give them something to eat. That famous story. And it was interesting because they, they looked at it and they were like, hey, we only got like, they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. What is it like? Um, looking at the glass half empty or looking at it half full. It wasn't like, hey, we got five loaves and two fish. It was like, hey, we don't have any more, anything beyond five loaves and two fish. You know what I mean? <laughs> they looked at it as, as lack, which I get it. I understand. But Jesus is like, hey, you guys give them something to eat. And um, he was literally trying to pull out of them. He was trying to teach them something. And um, they're like, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go buy food for all these people. There's not enough people. It's 5,000, just, just men alone. Jesus says, make them sit down in groups of 50. He did so, and you guys know the story. Um, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitudes. So they ate, and they were filled uh, with 12 baskets of leftover fragments. Like, you couldn't fill five loaves and two fish in one basket. You know what I mean? But Jesus takes the the um this uh the bread and the fish and like 
some of the some of the other gospels like will say he like takes it and he blesses it. He like actually looks up to heaven and blesses and gives thanks for that food. You know, and here we here we see again this contrast between the disciples' mind and his mind, and him trying to teach them how to lose their minds and gain his mind. It's like it's not what you don't. You're thinking about what you don't have, and I'm thinking about what we do have, and I'm looking into heaven. Look, it says he looks up into heaven and giving thanks for what he actually does have, and by doing that, he has so much more to give and to release. You know what I mean? And it's like this, this reality, like we're, we're never, Bill, what's, what's the saying? Everything is right where you need it, when you need it. Everything you need is right where you need it, when you need it. I love that. Um, but it's like, Jesus is looking at it like, yes, we got five and two, like, thank you. And, and demonstrating something of like, hey, don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you actually do have because it's so valuable. And, and that's what you'll be able to release. And we have the, you know, the prophets of the Old Testament used to multiply food. You know, Elisha multiplied food and, and several other things he multiplied. And it's just like this reality that we've, we've been given everything we need. Like Christ within us is the hope of glory. This, this reality, this finish line that Jesus was looking unto that everyone thought was a failure, ended up being the ultimate provision in every single person. And now we're like more than conquerors. It's like you have something in you to unlock everything in this dimension that people call reality, this time and space, and release that which is of heaven. And that's, and that's the name of this game. Father, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give us the daily bread, the manna, the connection, the revelation, the understanding, the words of life. And Jesus is demonstrating this. And so I think I might just leave it there. I had a few more, but it's, it's this principle of learning to see with a thankful heart what is happening instead of what is not happening. You know, and in doing that, also having a heart to actually be effective in the here and now. John's question, are you the one? Like, hey, I did find you, right? I did point people to you, right? That baptism, like, I did everything that I was supposed to do, right? You did, buddy. You did. And now they're not. The gates of hell will never prevail. They won't be able to stop it. What you thought, what you believed, that I would baptize in the Spirit, you know, and fire. And that I would take away the sin of the world. My goodness. You got the right one. And you done did it. You done did it. And, um, and right after, you know, and then multiplying stuff, you know what I mean? There's so many more. But I think I'll leave it with that. You know, we, we talk about the season of summertime is a lot of times it's a season of rest. It's the schedules are different. Everything we're doing is different. But having that same mentality, one, definitely have the mentality never to be a victim. You know what I mean? Anytime you feel stuck, that's not real. You know, there's always something in the level that you're on to unlock the next level or the next door. And it might not be, you know, making a video of yourself and becoming famous, you know, or like, you know, making the biggest tryout for the sports team, you know, 
whatever it could be. It might be as simple as recognizing the treasure that's in your sphere and sowing into it. The person at work that nobody really talks to that's having, some, have, having a hard time and speaking straight up life into that person might be so much more crucial to your promotion or your next job than um, trying to be at the, vo- the boss's you know, volleyball game and, and be best friends with him. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a different way of playing this whole thing. And it is choosing to give out and be thankful and release in the mission, in this, uh, this uh, covert operation that we are, we are all, we're all undercover to release the love of God everywhere we go. You know what I mean? Elijah shows up to a woman whose husband had died and the creditors were going to take her kids away and all she had was a jar of oil. And his idea was like this kingdom, of, this kingdom mindset, 2 Kings 4, which the oil is the representation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the true Holy Spirit. It's all prophesied about that. It was like, hey, get as many vessels from all of your neighbors and pour your oil into it. You mean pour out what I do have? Like, what do you have in your house? Well, I just got a, one bowl, of, one little pot of oil. <laughs> you know, like pour that thing out into a bunch of it. Like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You mean make bread with that? Feed myself? Like, no, no, pour it out. Borrow vessels, pour it out. And is this, the lady and her sons get all the vessels in the neighborhood. And they got so many, you know, pot, you know, pans and pots and little bottles or whatever they called vessels back then. And she pours them out. And the oil kept coming out just like the bread and the fish until the whole thing was filled. And there was no more pot vessels to pour it into that's the way our life will work walking by the spirit now granted it was for her to sell and, and to make money but it was a prophetic story you know romans 15 tells us this first Corinthians 10 tells us this. these things are written for us this new covenant reality is like our vessels what we do have the answer to more is releasing that which we do have and often it's as simple as our neighbors you know i'm not saying go knock on your neighbor's door and tell them something religious you know or be mean to you know, uh, but it is like it's it's like the, the the doors of progression in our life are seen with having a thankful heart and being suspicious of God. I know the goodness, and I know there's I know there's kingdom here. I know the kingdom is at hand, and I'm here to release it. I'm not here to just, please give it to me. You know what I'm saying? Serve, release. That is the answer. I don't know what my place is. Well, then serve where it's needed. Help where it's needed. You know what I mean? She's a single mom. She can't mow her own grass and mow the dang thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look. It's like, just do, step in. Church, be it the one you're called to be at. I think that's a crucial one. You know what I mean? So many people listen to this. Thousand-ish a month. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. So I'm not just talking to our people. It's like, yo, be at the church that you're called to be at. And get in and throw your weight into what's going on there. If it's of the kingdom, if it's of the system, then why are you there? Don't feed the machine. Um, whoa. <laughs> Please don't feed the... Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? But it's like, put your weight into it. Well, I really feel cold to be... It's like, I don't... It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Dust off them chairs. Do whatever you can do to push, to pray, to, to intercede, to you know, serve in, in whatever way you can that needs help. Guess what? A lot of times pouring out, it's going to going to open the door for your next calling, your purpose, or whatever it's going to be. You know what I mean? It's always been this way. You know. Everything's backwards here. The kingdom, it's, it's different. It's not... It's, the carnal mind is an enemy with God. Like, you can't figure it out. 
but it's but but the kingdom is real and it's at hand and it's around you it is in your life the doors of heaven are in your life the the path of god is is right around you so many times and even if we get off the path that's what repentance is it means you change your mind and you get back on the path and there's no condemnation in christ jesus it's like wow well, that seems too good to be true hence the name gospel that's what gospel means too good to be true but it is true you know? so it's a good deal it's a good deal well that's all that's all i think i have lord we thank you for this day uh we thank you that your word is true i thank you that you've you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness you've already given it to us peter wrote that down by your spirit you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness and all of the opportunities the kingdom and the even the divine connections of purpose and destiny it's not ours to work those up you actually bring those into our life wow what a what a relief how much rest is that lord i thank you so much that you order our steps that you would establish the work of our hands lord i ask that we would have the mentality that you had that saw no one as insignificant no one that we pass by is insignificant teach us to see like you uh, teach us to to love the way you love and to value people in our life, in our workplaces, in our jobs, in our churches or ministries or whatever. Help us to, even to learn to get out of our own way and to release what you have for us to release. Amen. And we thank you that, that the truth is that your kingdom is here. It's at hand. And even as you said in Luke 17, it is, it is within us. Um, and our heart is to release it. And thank you so much for John the Baptist, because you know I like him a lot. Amen.